Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. I'm excited to be with you this morning, to be back in uh, the States, to be able to share a little bit about what God is doing in Taiwan. As was mentioned earlier, um, if you were here during the Sunday school hour, I was able to share a little bit about uh, what God is doing in Taiwan over the last, last four years as we've been over there ministering, learning Chinese and learning the culture and being able to disciple and win people to Christ. Uh, we've been blessed. We are certainly blessed to be able to do that, and it's good to be back home. I do want to say thank you. I'm, I failed to mention this morning. I apologize. I want to say thank you to those of you who had a hand uh, in putting together the back area where we are staying. It is, uh, it is an amazing uh, uh, upgrade from what it was before. It wasn't horrible before, but it, it is definitely night and day uh, in a good way. And I thank you so much for all the sweat, all the toil, all the hours and the money that was put into uh, re, 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 revitalizing that back area. We're so thankful our kids love it. Um, they've been running back and forth and, and enjoying all those areas. We've got the two doors open, and so they've been running back and forth and enjoying that time there. And uh, if you, those of you who came in, you probably saw our colorful pool. We've got a little, little, little kiddie pool. And so they just, they've just they enjoyed being back here. Um, for the most part, um, they don't really know you guys. Uh, and our daughter was born on, de- on deputation. Uh, we had already left uh, Sunshine, left staff, and we were going around raising support. Um, our daughter was two when we got to Taiwan. Uh, our son Aiden, he is two now. He was born in Taipei, and uh, this is his first time back to the states, and so everything's new to him. But, but uh, Miss Sandy said he, is in, he was enjoying uh, the kids' ministry back there. And our daughter, uh, she's not shy. If you've been able to meet her at all, she loves to uh, get to know people, and she's probably enjoying herself already in the kids' ministry. But I just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for for loving on our family, uh, for demonstrating that in many different ways, not just for praying for us, those of you, those of you who follow along with our prayer letters, uh, who get them by email, those of you who follow us on Facebook or are of our uh, social media outlets, uh, we like to share on there, but we also hear from you, and we're thankful for your connection with us and connection to our ministry. Um, if you have your Bibles today, I want to invite you to open them up to the book of Jude, the book of Jude today. For some of you, that might be um, the two pages that stick together. Uh, Jude only has one chapter, and oftentimes we don't really hear a whole lot of messages out of that book, but it's close to the end of the Bible. Jude, we're going to be looking at primarily the end uh, of Jude. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 17 through 23 as Jude's closing his letter today. Um, But I I really was praying about uh, what it is that that God would want me to share with you today. And I'll be honest, I thought I'd probably be sharing... Uh, about missions, maybe the Great Commission, would be sharing a little bit about uh, how God is uh, 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 moving around the world. And of course, uh, we shared some of that in the Sunday school hour, and I'm happy to share that tonight. Um, but I couldn't get away from the passage in Jude. Um, as we look at this book in Jude, we realize as we begin reading through it that the reason why Jude writes his letter is that because the church. Um, in his day, was becoming the product of their morally fluid culture. Uh, There were those in the New Testament churches that by adding secular reasoning, by adding the popular belief of their time, and by subtracting the teachings of the scriptures uh, that the apostles had laid down, they were creating this potion of moral and theological error in the churches. And so Jude, also known by his contemporaries as Judas, although he wasn't Judas Iscariot, he was actually the brother of James, half-brother to Jesus. As he writes this letter, he writes it with the intention of not telling them new stuff that they, had know, that they ha- hadn't known before, but to remind them of the things that they should never forget. 
I find that as I raise two kids on the mission field, uh, although I'm not that old, I'll be 35 this year, I feel as though I'm aging at an accelerated rate. Those of you who have seen me, probably you can notice I've got a lot of white in my beard. I didn't have that before I left for Taiwan or before we had two kids. And um, I find myself, as I'm walking, you probably do this too, as you're walking, you, you come into a room and you're like, what am I doing here? I'm supposed to be doing something, but I forgot what I, I did that last night. I came in from the living room to the bedroom, and I was supposed to be grabbing something on the way in, and I'm like standing there, and my wife, what are you doing? Why are you just standing there? I, I'm supposed to be doing something, but I forgot, and so I had to, sometimes you have to retrace your steps, go back to that, and then it comes back to your mind, right? And so that's happening to me, happening to me more and more, I'm, I'm finding, and I heard a story of a uh, of a young uh, uh, guy who went out to a farm, and he was talking to a, 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 a farmer, and he was watching, and the farmer was uh, you know, making his call, and there was a dog that was running around. He's gathering up all the livestock, and he put him in the pen and closed the door, and he even latched the gate with his paw, and he was like, wow, that's amazing. How'd you get your dog to do that? What, what, what's your dog's name? And the farmer would look over at the young man, and he would just say, well, uh, uh, what do, you call, what do you call them flowers that are really smelling really good and they got them thorns on, 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 on the stems? And he say, uh, like, like a rose? He say, yeah, yeah, that's it. Hey, Rose, what do you call them, that dog we got over there? <laughs> and I get to, be, get to this point where I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the important things in life. Now, I haven't gotten that bad yet, but... I have found that it's important from time to time to be reminded of the things that are important in life. And that's what Jude does in his letter. He says, I want to remind you of what's important. He says, I want to put you in remembrance. If we're here in the book of Jude chapter 1, he says in verse 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. He said, I want to put you in remembrance. In other words, he says, I am reminding you of what's important. Jude helps the people, and he helps them as you continue to read. We don't have time to read all of it, but through the, verse, the following 11 verses, he identifies the kinds of people and the doctrines that they have that oppose the word of God, that oppose the gospel, that deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he begins to tell them about why they need to be put in remembrance. Before we go any farther in the scriptures today, I want to just open it up in a word of prayer and ask the Lord to bless his word and the preaching of it this morning. All right, let's, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you so much for your word, for the promises that we have. Lord, we thank you so much for calling this local church to be a light for the gospel's sake in this community. Father, we live and minister all around the world, whether we're in Taiwan or we're in Port Charlotte. Lord, we face pressures from the outside, from the inside. Lord, to be pulled away from the truth, to follow after fictitious lies and ide ideologies. Lord, we are tempted even of ourselves to enjoy the, the carnality that we face in this world. But Father, we have a calling. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we are reminded of our calling, as we are reminded of the importance of that, Father, that you would work in every believer's heart today, that you would help us to remember, to move forward, and to make a difference for the cause of Christ. We thank you so much, and we pray this, that you would use 
just the foolishness of preaching, Lord. You would use me. Get me out of the way, Lord, that you would help your Holy Spirit to use your word in the hearts of believers to transform lives. Father, if there's someone here today who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, this whole church thing is totally new to them. They're unacquainted with anything that has to do with Christianity or spirituality. Maybe they don't even want to be here, Lord. Somebody brought them here, drug them here, made them feel bad, so they showed up. Father, I pray that you would work in their heart, that the gospel would be, as it is preached, and the word of God is preached, they might be able to open their eyes to the truth and the reality of your word and of Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, when I was preparing for this message, I really thought I would go in a certain direction. I really thought I would be sharing with you the, 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 the excitement of missions, what it's like uh, ministering on the other side of the world, uh, maybe some of the challenges we face, or maybe some of the obstacles that we've been able to overcome. Um, I was able to share in the Sunday School Hour a little bit of some of the blessings that God has blessed us. Uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely, we're, we're going to be here, like I said, we're going to be here for an extended furlough, about 10 months. Uh, majority of it, we're going to be basing right out of here in the back building. So if you want to, if we want to go out, we, I'm, we're, we're, our family and I, we, we'll, 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 we'll have you over, we'll, we'll go out, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, hang out, and I'll happy to share anything you want to know about the ministry and about Taiwan. Uh, just grab my arm. I, I like to talk and I like to, to make friends, so please, uh, I'd be happy to do that. But I couldn't get away from, the Lord wouldn't let me get away from what he put on my heart. Jude, as he, as he opens his letter in this book, he does the same thing. If you look a verse before, in verse 4, he says, um, sorry, verse 3, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. In verse 4, he tells them why. He says, For there are certain men crept in unaware, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that these certain men, these people, he doesn't name them by name. He just describes them in the following verses up to verse 16, talking about how their spots in the Feast of Charity, verse 12, uh, um, their clouds without water, their winds, uh, their trees without fruit, they're dead. They're like raging waves, foaming, uh, wandering stars in the blackness. He says in verses 12 and 13, he describes them. He describes what they believe and how they are opposed to God's word, be opposed to the word of God. And he begins to talk about these people. But he says in verse 4 that they've crept in unaware, that no one in the church foresaw them coming until now. They haven't realized that they're already there. They're already in the church. How? How can these people have crept in unaware, whereas the church has not even seen them? Well, well there's one of two possibilities. One is that they had an incredible disguise. Today, I believe that many false teachings that are infiltrating the modern church are disguised as the appearance of knowledge. They have the appearance of education, of practicality. They sound good. They match the, the modern tone of culture. And that's why countless people, young and old, day by day, are being led astray in many areas. 
because they had an incredible disguise. Second possibility is that maybe the Christians in the church, maybe they just didn't know. They were a little bit clueless when it came to these people. Some had become lazy or slothful in their Christian life, and they were comfortable. We can get comfortable, can't we? We have some really nice comfy chairs in here. I'm not talking about that kind of comfortable. I'm talking about just being comfortable in our Christian walk. Know that this is good. I'm good. I'm saved. I like my church. I like it the way that it is, and we're comfortable. And sometimes, if we're not careful, comfortable can be the enemy of the gospel. Perhaps there were some churches in these Christians in these churches, and these were new churches. They were just new to the Word of God. They were novices when it came to knowing this book. And they just didn't know what the Word of God taught. They were saved. They were following Jesus, but they just didn't know. They didn't have a strong foundation. And like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, they were tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Whatever the case was in preparing for this message today, I told you there was a path I thought I would go. I thought I would talk missions and talk excitement and talk adventure and so on. But like Jude, I couldn't get around the elephant in the room of the modern day American church. And that is this, Sum it up, summed up verse 3, is that I was going to talk to you today about missions, but it became needful for me to share and encourage you, church, about a few things. The re, I think the reason why God impressed this on me to share this passage is because of the reality is that the American church in 2021 faces incredible dangers, both from outside these walls and inside these walls. Outside these walls, like never before in America, we have seen uh, uh, problems. Things like governments coming in and shutting down churches and pastors being fined and arrested and there's persecution, not just in America, but around the world. And if you have had your pulse on uh, uh, persecution around the world, you've probably seen that 2020 was one of the worst years for persecution around the world. I was reading in an article just the other day from Christianity Today, it's a magazine that writes about uh, current Christian topics. In their January to 2021 issue, they wrote this. Uh, today, their uh, uh, article was written on the, about the top 50 countries, most dangerous to follow Jesus. Where this wa- where, and they said this, last year, 45 nations scored high enough to register very high persecution levels on the Open Doors 84-question matrix. A Open Doors is a, is a, uh, um, a society, uh, uh, an organization that monitors persecution globally for Christians. He said, this year, for the first time in 29 years of tracking, all 50 qualified, as did four more nations that fell just outside the cutoff. Open Doors identified three main trends driving last year's increase. And the number one thing they said was that COVID-19 acted as a catalyst for religious persecution through relief discrimination, forced conversions, and a justification for increased surveillance and censorship. That's just not America. That's around the world. But America is included in that. There are enemies of this church, enemies of Sunshine Baptist Church. Now, we know that they're not just enemies of this church. They're enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're under... The author- acting under the authority of Satan and the demonic forces. We don't wrestle against 
flesh and blood, the Bible says, principalities, it's powers, rulers. We know who our real enemy is. Outside these churches, there are special interest groups that would love nothing more than to see a gospel-preaching Baptist church close its doors and never reopen. That's outside these walls. But Jude is talking not just outside, he's talking about inside, too. I think that in 2021, the American church faces all kinds of dangers within the church, weakening of the morality among Christians. The indulgences of the carnal of the carnal Christian ways. Just this last year, um, we came had to come to grips as Christians with one of the most well known apologists, Rabbi Zacharias, and his private life came into came into to 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 to, to scene. For those of you who may not be aware of that, I, I won't go into all the 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 details, but. His private life was filled with carnality. And although his public life and public ministry had a great message and it was pushing in the right direction, his private life did not match his public life. And because of that, his ministry, Rabbi Zacharias' ministries, more than likely probably won't continue, won't persist, especially they will, they will not have the, the global outreach that they, had, that they once had and the power that they once had. In 2016, we saw uh, in, in, in a Christianity, in the circles of Christianity, we saw this, uh, what's called the deconversion story. It's the, the, the new thing that people are doing, that they're deconverting. Some people that are big names, names that I grew up in as a teenager in the youth group, we read his books guy named, by a guy by the name of Joshua Harris. Some of you who may be familiar with uh, Hillsong, their, 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 their songs, one of their people came out with one of these deconversion stories. Another famous artist, Mark Gunger, Audrey Assad, and many others. We listen to their music. Their music is still playing on Christian radio. But they've come out and they've said, I'm not a Christian anymore. I was before, but I don't believe it anymore. I want to live this way. And so they come out with what they call deconversion stories. I want to tell you my story but how I've walked away from faith, how I've walked away from the gospel, walked away from church. This is inside the church, ladies and gentlemen. People who are in the spotlight. Of course, there's always been unsound theology in the church, extra biblical teachings. They're old heresies. They just got new names. Prosperity gospel. Paul addresses that in his Corinthian letters. The redefining of gender roles. Beginning, the beginning of this month, for example, Southern Baptist pastor Rick Warren on his stage just ordained three women to be pastors in his church in defiance to the Southern Baptist Creed in 2020 when they said only men were to be pastors according to the teaching of Scripture. More and more churches, Christian schools, colleges, they're becoming woke. And they're adopting secular teachings and they're adding them into the church. And so Jude is saying, I wanted to write about salvation. I wanted to write about how much I love Jesus, but I couldn't. I had to share with you the truth that there is danger lurking in the church. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, the reason I think God kind of brought this message into my heart I'm working on the other side of the world in Taiwan. I don't know everything that's going on in America. 
And I thought it was a little bit weird that God wanted me to speak on current topics because I haven't been here. But I've been able to watch some things. The, 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 one, of the, one of the good things about social media is many bad things. One of the good things about the internet and social media is that I'm able to keep up to date a little bit with friends and family and even culture here back in the States. The reality is, is that when the American church stumbles and falls, so does its evangelistic endeavors to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That as the American church begins to fall, so does the ministry in Taiwan. That was the connection I really felt that God was going to have putting in my, my heart and on my chest, is that not that I have nothing to say about ministry, and not that I have nothing to say about Taiwan. I want to share about that. But the reality is, is that there's a danger. So what's the danger? What are we supposed to do? Well, in Jude chapter uh, 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, verses 17 through 23, we're going to read together for just a moment and just kind of expound on it very quickly before the service closes today. But that is this. Jude in verse 17 says this, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of Jesus Christ until eternal life. And of some, and some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you, what should we do? How can we be faithful in these unfaithful times? The first thing we need to do is we need to remember. We need to remember. He says, In verse 17, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Many times as you read through Paul's letters and some of the New Testament letters, you can see their writing. We just finished a series through the second Timothy at our church in, 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 in Taiwan preaching through the entire chapter of 2 Timothy again and again and again. It's Paul's last letter before he's going to be beheaded, and he's trying to encourage his son in the faith, Timothy, to press on to be the next Paul. And he tells him in verse uh, in chapter 3, he begins it by saying, perilous times are coming. You're already in them. You don't even know it. In Acts chapter 20, Paul warns, it says he warned them every day, night and day with tears. If you follow the works of our Lord Jesus Christ through the Gospels, he sends his disciples out in Mark 6, and he says, just go. You don't need a sword. You don't need money. You don't need uh, provisions. Just go and preach the Gospel. But when it comes down to the second time when he sends them out, he knows he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to raise again. He's going to leave this world. The comforter will come. But he knows that the hard times are coming. And he encourages his disciples in a different way. He says, this time, take your swords. He says, if you don't have one, sell your jacket and get one. Now, you can exposit through that and, and go different ways. I think that he's just encouraging them to be prepared. Be prepared because those perilous times are coming. 
for anyone who chooses to follow after Christ. So Jude here says, guys, wake up the reality, to, wake up to the reality that you live in. And that is my encouragement today to Sunshine Baptist Church is that for us to remember where, who we are and what we face as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in 2021. This isn't something that will happen or, or happens, but not in this country. It's happening. And in order to remember, you have to first know. You have to first know before you can remember. We need to know. We need to be sure. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you at the beginning Jude wasn't writing this letter to introduce some kind of new doctrine like Paul's epistles. He was writing to encourage them to remember by this time in church history, most of the New Testament teachings, doctrines, and the message of the gospel had already been written and established. That was already agreed upon by the apostles and the early church leaders. But now, people had been in church long enough that there were second and third generation Christians who were beginning to question the doctrines, who were beginning to hear the sounds and the arguments of their culture and trying to integrate that with their faith. And they were coming up with all kinds of false beliefs and heresies, false doctrine, trying to conform the Word of God to their social norms and to public opinion. So Jude writes this letter to remind the churches to remember what they already have been told, what, remember what they already know to be true. We need to remember what we know to be true. We need to study the Word of God. We need to know this book intimately. It's not enough to just come on Sunday and listen to Pastor Dale open the Word of God and preach it and say, well, that was good. See you next week. It's not enough. We as Christians must know this book intimately. Not in a weird way, but in a way that changes our life. Do you know this book intimately? If someone was to ask you a question about the Savior that you say is going to save your soul when you die, can you give them an answer? Can you open them up to a Bible verse and say, yeah, well, the Bible says this. Or do you just regurgitate the things that you've heard on the radio or regurgitate the things you've heard pastor preach or you just say, uh, I don't know. It's okay to not know. But I'll be honest, it's not okay to stay that way. We as Christians got to know the Bible. How in the world can we say that we trust a God with our eternal soul that we don't know anything about? What a dangerous supposition. We need to know the Word of God and we need to be careful and cautious about where else we inform our beliefs. I know today, especially in the landscape of 2021, there are all kinds of ideologies and beliefs that are being, that are being espoused by, by people who call themselves Christians. All kinds of books, all kinds of podcasts, all kinds of articles and things that are shared on social media. And we just see, oh, the word Christian, and we just start reading it and consuming it. And it alters what we believe about the word of God we got to be careful. we got to be wise about where we're getting our information that informs our beliefs, that conforms us 
into the kind of follower of Christ that we are today. My grandpa used to say, if it doesn't quack, it ain't a duck. I guess that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, a thing, I guess, to, to you. Lithmetastic. We got to remember. Secondly, we got to build. Jude says in verse 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. The British theologian and pastor Alistair Begg once said, There's a positive activity that is required of the believer if they're going to stand firm to the end. That the Christian walk is an active exercise. It's not a sedentary lifestyle. We're active in building up our faith. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, the book of Jude, if you study Scripture, the book of Jude and the book of Second Peter are written around the same period, same time period. And they share a lot of commonality, a lot of the same ideas. Peter and Jude write together to the churches. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4-10 through 10 says this, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and temperance patience." and patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, Brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. That is to say that the Christian life, being a follower of Christ, is not a sedentary lifestyle. We cannot sit in the bathtub of God's grace and expect anything but to be wet and wrinkly. We have to be active in our Christian walk. It's not enough to just get saved and show up at church and put on your best duds or whatever you're going to wear and be comfortable on Sunday and go home. That's not following Christ. That might be what we call being a Christian, but that's not being a follower of Christ. That's one of the things that we make absolutely clear in Taiwan because there's a lot of people that like the idea of Christian because Christian is synonymous with Western and American in Taiwan. And so many people want to come to church on Sunday. They can escape their social norms, come into a church, listen to a pep talk and say, I'm a Christian and look cool. But when you ask them if they want to follow Jesus, they have no clue what you're talking about. Or have no desire to do that. They just want the title. How many of us in here can say, I have a title, but this following Jesus thing, I'm not entirely sure I want to do that. That's not Christianity. That's not being a disciple. We got to get up 
we got to get out and we need to exercise our faith. Peter says, add, add, add. Peter isn't talking about adding to the finished work of Christ. That was finished years before on the cross of Calvary. What Peter is saying is that he'd rather rather telling the believers to build up, shore up, and gird up their faith. It's like being married. My wife and I this year will be married 10 years. Yeah, already. Some of you were at the wedding. I remember many of you were at the wedding. And we came back and we had a reception in the back hall. I remember that. 10 years we'll be married. We're discovering more and more and more about each other. We're adding depth and breadth to our relationship as we raise two kids, as we've moved across the globe, as we, as we struggled with, with our Chinese together. We're learning more, we're building, and we're adding to our relationship. We're not more married than we were before. That was settled on the, at the altar when we exchanged our vows and exchanged our rings. And before Christ and witnesses, we were married. That was settled. But we're adding to our marriage. We're adding to our relationship. And those of you who are married can probably, more, more, than, more than just we were married yesterday, you can say that you have too added to your marriage. You become more and more in love with your spouse. We sometimes treat our spirituality like we do our health management. I'm going to sit here, I'm going to drink a shake, I'm going to eat a salad, and somehow I'm going to get skinny. It doesn't work as an exercise program. Why should it work with our relationship with Christ? How can our relationship with Christ be any different? We must be actively building. It's an ongoing activity. The building up of ourselves, it's constant and it's corporate. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, verse 5 says, Ye also as lively stones are being built up a spiritual house. It's a constant thing. We are alive. We are the body of Christ. We are constantly being morphed and changed. It's a constant thing. This church should constantly be in a flux, in a change. Now, I'm not saying changing of doctrine or changing of the thing, your core beliefs, but it's good when there's new people in these seats. It's good when people are changing and they're growing in Christ. It's good to see people being saved. It's good to see people growing in their walk with Christ. It's constant. It should be constant. It's also corporate. Romans chapter 12, Paul goes into a long dissertation about the body of Christ. He says, we are many members, but we're all part of one body. His meaning is that we do this thing together. That this church thing is important and we do it together. Which is why you need to be here. Now I know that COVID and the year 2020 absolutely wrecked that for the American church. But thank God it seems that we're making it. The Bible says even the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. So COVID doesn't have a chance. Now, I know this is a sensitive topic, and like I said, I'm kind of out of my league when I'm talking about modern-day things as I haven't been here for four years, but you cannot corporately do church from home or Facebook. Now, 
It was necessary, and in many cases may still be necessary. I can't speak to that topic, and I think that God has given your pastor wisdom in how he has led you guys in protecting you. His job is not just preach the gospel, it's protect the flock. And that comes across in many different ways, many practical ways a lot of times. But I'll tell you this, watching some of my friends who I thought were following God get an opportunity to sit at home and sit on Facebook, there's not a chance that they're coming back to church anytime soon. It's become convenient. And they've missed out on the corporateness of the church. Praise God, things are getting better. In Taiwan, to, yes, is yesterday, Saturday night is their Sunday morning, they had to do church on Zoom, online, because they're in a quarantine, in, in level three quarantine. You, you can't go out except for your basic, your basic necessities. To wear a mask everywhere you go, even when you're riding on a scooter, even when you're in your car. That's, that's their, their, one of their rules. In your car, by yourself, you have to wear a mask. <laughs> It's just the, that's just life. That's just life in these last days. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But I, I, I think I can go out on a limb and say that it can't be forever. It's really hard to do corporate church alone in your house on the internet. I'm so happy to see you guys here. I'm so happy to see all of your faces. And I know that maybe some of you might be taking a risk being here. I hope that God blesses you for it. But I'm so thankful that we don't do this thing alone, that we have each other. We serve each other, that we bear each other's burdens. We pray for one another. We love on each other. When we're, all, when we're, when we're hurting, when someone's hurting, we're all hurting. That's the corporate reality of the church, that we don't do this thing by ourselves. We do it intertwined with each other. And I know that sometimes that's messy business. People are messy. And that mess, sometimes it gets on you. But praise God, we have somebody who can wash away all that. The blood of Christ washing away all and every sin. The building up of ourselves is constant corporate. What do we build, though? Jude says we build up our most holy faith. The Word of God, we study it, we apply it. I'm convinced this is why so many older Christians don't win souls anymore, and they have only a knee-deep relationship with God, and why so many young Christians walk away from the church in their 20s and their 30s is because their most holy faith is not built. Christ and the Holy Spirit, they delivered all the lumber, all the bricks are there, all the mortar, the cement truck's spinning, but nobody's building. We build up our most holy faith. We get up, we get out, we exercise our faith. Jude says, also, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. This isn't some kind of mystical thing. It's not a charismatic thing. Don't say, whoa, Corey, don't say Holy Spirit in here. You got to be careful. No, 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 it's not that. The praying of the Holy Spirit is just simply this. Praying as the Holy Spirit prompts you to pray. Praying for what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, in your relationships, in your church. He also says, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Now, that can be an entirely different sermon, and we don't have time for that, praise the Lord. As, uh, we might be getting hungry soon. 
How do we do that? Let me just give you a, a, brief, a, brief, a, brief, a brief statement, and that's this. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? You keep yourself in the love of God by keeping yourself in contrad, constant hatred of sin in your own life. Constant hatred of sin in your own life. I know it's so easy to hate the sin of others. It's so easy to become detested that you want to just barf in your mouth when you're looking through social media, you're watching the news, and you, you see the sin of other people, you see the sin in your culture, and you say, it's just disgusting. But how many times have we looked at ourselves in the mirror and say, disgusting? Paul said, I'm a wretched man. By Christian comparison, Paul is probably the the closest person to Christ you can probably find in the scriptures. But Paul of his own self says, I'm disgusting because of sin. I wonder how many times, or if ever in our life, we've been able to be that brutally honest with ourselves. We're so easily disgusted by the sin of others, but how disgusted are we of our own sin? Jesus Christ went to the cross because of your sin too, not just theirs. It's your sin that nailed him to that tree. I've been praying more and more lately as I live in Taiwan that God would reveal more and more sin in my life and that I would learn to hate it too. It's a hard thing. I'll be honest with you. It's a hard thing because you want, you want to justify it. You want to say there's a reason for it, that there's an excuse for it, it's okay, everyone else, I'm not as bad as that person. And, and so the excuses continue to build up. But we have to keep ourselves in the love of God. This isn't a salvation thing. This is a keeping ourselves in love with God thing. And if we love sin, we cannot love God. Read First John, Second John, Third John. He lays it up real, lays it up real clear. If you love sin, if you love this world, the love of the Father is not in you. That's pretty straightforward. How are you on your own sin? Finally, we make a difference. In closing, we make a difference. Jude says in verse twenty-two and twenty-three, "Some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear." pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Jude here says, as you remember, as you build, as you become more and more sure of what God has taught you in his word, help others do it. Help others. Have compassion on those who are ungodly. Save the ones who are out there playing with fire. If you must, pull them out of that fiery pit. We live in a time when people have many doubts about goodness, about morality. What is it? About God. Does he really exist? If he is, why is he so bad at it? Some people have many doubts about Christians and about church, and many rightfully so. Rightfully so. As I minister in Taiwan, I've been amazed how many questions I've had to answer as I mentioned in the Sunday School Hour, there's so many people who when they're saved, they don't have any foundation of the gospel, any foundation of the word of God. Every name, every story is a mystery to them. 
It's amazing that as you minister and as you preach, you try to draw from other passages. And I have to be careful with that because they don't know those passages. So I can't just reference Jonah. I can't just reference Abraham because they have never heard that guy's name before. They don't know that story. And I'm amazed how many times I've worked through one-on-one discipleship, the questions that I have to answer. They're so rudimentary, so basic. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a great thing. The people that I've been working with, specifically in the last six months, they're hungry for the Word of God. They're learning like crazy. They're reading all over the Word of God. It's, it's been a test for me, even as a, as a pastor, to help them answer these questions. It's been good for me to get back in the Word on some of these most simplistic stories. Figure out why is it, what is God saying? And how do we apply that to our life? But many people have doubts, and rightfully so. And I think as Christians, we need to be okay with people having doubts. I know that sometimes in church, it can be a little bit awkward to have a question. It can be a little bit awkward to have a little bit of doubt or show a little bit of, a little bit of doubt. That when a pastor says something or a teacher opens up the Word of God and says something, somebody has a question, and I know that we're probably not brave enough It's because it's awkward. We don't ask we don't. Ha- raise our, 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 our hand and have a question or a doubt, but we have it in our own heart. I think it's okay to have doubts in church. It's okay to doubt what you're hearing. But I think as Christians, we need to have answers for those doubts. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to be like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He says, to give, we need to be ready to give an answer. To every man that asks, if you have the reason of the hope that lies within you. And I know specifically that's talking about the gospel. But I think that applies to everything that we believe as Christians. Why do we believe this way about gender? Why do we believe this way about race? Why do we believe this way about modern problems? Why do we believe this thing? It's not enough to just regurgitate the answers you've heard. We need to know. We need to have answers for the doubts that are inside our church and outside. We need to be ready to help others who doubt and even to help them doubt their doubts. Help them understand, why is it that you're having this doubt? Why? Because the object of the gospel isn't solely inward. It's a fundamentally outward driving force. I think that's why Jude ends his letter with this statement. People having compassion, making a difference. You remember the beginning of the book, he says, contend for the faith. But here at the end, he ends his letter, not because he's changed his mind, because, but that's the heart. That's the reason why we contend, we contend for the faith, is because there's people who need hope. There's people who need to have compa- we need to have compassion on. There's people who need to be saved, who need to be pulled out of the fire. The gospel begins by changing you, and it continues to change you, and it does it drives a Christian's love outward to the lost world. So in ending today, how do we make a difference? How do we make a difference? Some have compassion, making a difference. How do we do that? Well, first of all, the reality is there's probably two kinds of people in the room today. One is the people who still have those doubts. 
Maybe, like I said, you've been brought here, you've been coerced here, you've been forced here, you're fulfilling someone else's expectation of you, and you're here, but you don't really follow God. You don't really follow Jesus. You don't really buy in yet. If someone was to ask you, are you saved? You might say yes, because that's the answer everyone's wanting to hear, but on the inside, you know that that's not the case. You don't follow Jesus, and you don't have any desire to. How can you make a difference? Well, the first thing that you can do is you can make a difference in your own life and create a legacy of faith and hope in your family by choosing to follow Christ. The gospel is a very simple message. Unfortunately, even this week while I was out, I heard somebody making fun of it. Somebody called a, uh, them, it was a scammer, scammer call. And he starts talking about, do you know Jesus? He died for your sins so you can live the way you want to live. And then the person hung up. He says, I love using that line. You could tell he wasn't a believer. But in this culture, the gospel has become this joke. But I want to tell you today, it's no joke. The gospel message transforms lives. It doesn't save you for you to live the way you want to live. It transforms you. It is the power of God unto salvation. See, the thing is, is that you and I, we can't have a relationship with God because of our sin. The Bible says that our sin, the things we think, the things we say, the things we do, that breaks God's law. They separate us from God eternally. His, God is, His law is eternal. So the punishment for it is eternal. We throw the word hell around a lot as a swear word, but it's a real place. It's a place God created, not for you, but it's a place you will end up if you don't call on God to save you. Don't like to talk about it. Makes people a little fidgety. Does in Taiwan too. But it's the, it's the God's honest truth. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Christ died for your sins. Over 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent. He came and he lived as a perfect man. He was a man because he had to die for the sin of men. He died on, a, on an old rugged cross. We sing in, in some of our older churches, we, we love to sing about the old rugged cross. And that's a great thing. It's a place where Jesus died for your sin. But he didn't stay dead. The Bible says that after he was buried, he was in the grave three days, and on the third day he rose again. He rose again as a testament that God accepted his blood sacrifice. It's a little bit weird. It's, not, it's, not, it's probably not what I would choose, but I'm not God. God says, by the shedding of blood, there's remission. There's the taking away of sin. That's, what, that's God's idea, not mine. But God's God. He's got his ways. Brother Dennis said to me this week, the, 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 the mysteries, the secrets, they belong to God. That probably might be one of his secrets. Why blood? He died for your sin. He rose again the third day. The Bible says that if you call upon him, you follow him, he'll save you. He'll wash away your sin. Romans makes it very clear that if you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you call out to him, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you can be saved. You will be saved. Because the Bible, the Bible says that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
How can you make a difference today? Today you can make a difference in your own life by trusting Christ as your Savior. The other group are the Christians. Those of you who've done that, you've settled that. Praise God, you are a believer. You've been following Christ. I don't know how long. I don't know all of your testimonies in your stories. But you're, hopefully there's been, there's been adding to your, to, your, to your relationship with God. How can you make a difference? Well, first of all, you can learn the art and the science of contending for your faith. You can know what this book says beyond what pastor preaches on Sunday morning because you study it yourself. There's all kinds of tools, all kinds of things that are available at your disposal to help you understand and get a grasp of this book. You say, it's so hard to learn and to read. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to know God's Word. It's a lot of work to rightly divide it. But Paul encouraged Timothy, a young man in the Word of God, he said, study it. Study the Bible. Study the Word of God. That's what we need to do. It's not, a, it's not a thing that pastor does. It's not a thing that Bible students do. It's a thing Christians do. Study the Word of God. We can study. We can learn. We can remember. We can build. We can make a difference. I'm so thankful that Pastor Dale has... There are so many different ways. I'm looking at the bulletin right here, but there's so many different ways that aren't listed on this bulletin of ways that this church reaches out into the community. You serve, you build relationships. That's the whole vision of what's going on here. Reaching people through the building of relationships. How do we do that? We serve them. We're Christ's hands and feet and his mouth, and we serve the local community. On Friday, I was able to help out just a little bit of packing boxes and packing food for the line of cars that would parade through here for several hours. That's just one way this church is reaching, is serving. One way you're making a difference. There's so many other ways. My, pray to, my prayer today in here is that this church, the church isn't this building or some movement, it's you guys. That as the church here called out in Port Charlotte, sun, named Sunshine Baptist Church, that you guys would have a desire and the motivation to make a difference, to serve serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to serve your community for the express purpose of the gospel, for the gospel's sake, so that others might hear and know Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me today? I know that we've covered several verses, and like I said, it was probably something that's probably hit you from uh, the, the, the side out of nowhere. Kind of blindsided me too, but preaching of God's word doesn't return void. My hope, my prayer today as I turn it over to pastor is that we as a church, wherever we're serving in Taiwan or Port Charlotte, that we'd remember, that we'd build and that we'd make a difference because the gospel hinges on it.